0: Are you feeling afraid at the moment? Can you feel shivers running up your spine? Oh my God! Is your pulse racing? Are you sweating? Are you trembling? Well, for me, that's good because today we're going to talk about the sound of fear. My name is Richard Broome, and our story today begins in 1980, when an engineer and university lecturer called Vic Tandy was working alone at night in a medical manufacturing company's research laboratory. Vic had heard rumors from other people he worked with that suggested the laboratory was haunted. Vic Tandy dismissed these reports as nonsense, but then, one morning, just when he arrived at work, a cleaning lady was hastily leaving the laboratory in a distressed and agitated state. She had seen a ghost. Being an engineer, Vic Tandy believed the cleaning lady was suffering from an overactive imagination and... Given the rumours of a haunting, she had probably been disturbed by the gasping noises coming from oxygen equipment in the laboratory. Vic Tandy, it seems, did not believe in ghosts. Later that day, Vic Tandy began to feel uneasy as he worked away at his desk in the centre of his laboratory. He felt... A sense of anxiety, he suffered cold sweats and shivers. He felt ill and uncomfortable. Then a colleague of Tandy's turned towards Tandy, thinking Tandy was by his side. But he was surprised to see Tandy some distance away at the other end of the laboratory. Generally, within the laboratory, there was a growing feeling of discomfort. But there was no apparent cause or reason for the strange feelings the workers in the laboratory were experiencing. Perhaps the laboratory was haunted after all. Then, one night, Tandy was working in the laboratory on his own. Once again, he was sitting at his desk writing. He became cold and he was sweating. And he had the distinct feeling he was not on his own, but he knew he was the only person in the laboratory. Then, after pouring himself a coffee and returning to his desk, he saw, out of the corner of his eye, a strange grey shape floating in space. When he turned to look at the shape, it vanished. At this stage, Victandi decided he was probably losing his mind and he went home feeling, as he put it, terrified. Now, there are two things you should know about Victandi. Firstly, he was a highly accomplished engineer. Second, Victandi enjoyed fencing, a sport of sword fighting, if you like. And the day after Vic's spooky experience in the laboratory, he returned to work, and after work, he put one of his foils, in other words, one of his swords, into a vise to carry out some repairs to the foil. A fencing foil measures just over a metre from handle to tip. Foils are made of long, springy metal, and so, in your mind's eye, picture this foil clamped in a vise. The vise was, of course, fixed to a workbench. One end of the foil would be clamped in the vise. The other end of the foil would be pointing upwards and would be free to move. After a few minutes, Vic noticed that the free end of the foil was vibrating side to side, rather like a tuning fork would vibrate. At the same time, Vic began to feel those strange feelings of apprehension he had experienced in the laboratory earlier. Vic Tandy knew, as an engineer, that things do not just vibrate on their own. The energy which was causing the foil in the vice to continually vibrate had to come from somewhere. The question was, where? Being an engineer, Tandy decided to experiment and detach the vise from the bench with the foil still in it. He then moved the vise and foil up and down the laboratory. He found that the maximum foil vibration occurred right next to his desk. He was clearly onto something. At this stage, we have to consider sound. If you look at a loudspeaker, especially a bass loudspeaker when music is being played, you'll see the cone of the loudspeaker vibrates. Those vibrations cause the air molecules in front of the speaker to also vibrate, and those vibrations travel as a wave through the air to our ears and we hear the sound of music being played. The air molecules in front of the loudspeaker knock into one another rather like billiard balls do on a billiard table. Those sound waves can travel through air, water, solids and even gases. But sound waves cannot travel through a vacuum as there are no particles such as air particles to vibrate. And if you've watched Ridley Scott's film Alien, in space no one can hear you scream. Now, our ears are pretty good, but not that good. We humans can hear sounds in the frequency range 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. That's 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz. We call this the audio frequency range. By the way, as we get older, the range of frequencies we can hear begin to narrow down. This might explain why as old folks can no longer hear those high notes when music is played to us. But then there are sounds we humans cannot hear at all, no matter what our age. Below 20 hertz, those sounds are called infrasound. And above 20 kilohertz, 20,000 hertz, those sounds are called ultrasound. Many people will know of ultrasound because they have had scans in hospital. This is especially true of pregnant women who regularly have ultrasound scans to check on the health of their unborn babies. But what about infrasound? It turns out that it was infrasound that caused Vic Tandy and his colleagues no small amount of anxiety in the laboratory. There are two parts to this spookiness in Vic's laboratory. First, near to Vic Tandy's laboratory, there was an electric ventilation fan which, as well as moving air about, was giving off infrasound waves which travelled into Vic's laboratory. And being infrasound waves, Vic and the other nearby humans in the laboratory would not have been able to hear the infrasound waves. Second, the laboratory was a certain shape, size and volume. Why, you might ask, would I mention this? Well, think of a wind instrument, a flute, say, or think of those large pipes attached to organs in a cathedral. Or think about what happens when you put the top of a bottle to your lips and blow. In all cases, the flute, the church organ pipe, or the bottle, you will set up an oscillation caused by moving air. With musical instruments and bottles, you can hear that oscillation, but if that oscillation is taking place in the infrasound region, we humans just won't hear that sound. It's out of our range. So Victande's laboratory was behaving like a flute, an organ, or a bottle, but outside of the human audible frequency range, in other words, the infrasound range. Now, when we blow across a bottle top, the oscillating air behaves in a certain way, and we know that if we blow into a small capacity or volume bottle, we hear a higher note, and if we have a large capacity bottle, we will hear a lower note. In other words, different sized bottles will produce a different pitch, or frequency sound, or in musical terms, a note. Now, please consider something else. Imagine it's a stormy day out at sea and huge waves are thundering in from the open sea towards a vertical seawall made of solid granite. The waves have energy in them and when those waves hit the seawall, the energy has to go somewhere. It's a known fact that you cannot create or destroy energy, but you can convert it. And in the case of the energy in the waves, the energy can only bounce back from the sea wall, rather like a ball bouncing back from a brick wall. Of course, that reflected energy will travel back and collide with the next incoming wave. If the wave action is repetitive and constant, the colliding wave action will cause something known as a standing wave. This concept is very important when we talk about radio waves. Sometimes, the energy in the reflected wave will, in a sense, cancel out the energy in the incoming wave. At other times, the reflected energy will also, in a sense, join with the incoming energy and a larger standing wave is produced. Although it might seem strange, when standing waves are created, they appear to stand still, which is why we call them standing waves. So, when we blow across the bottle top, we create standing waves. The man who first noticed standing waves was the great British scientist and my own personal hero, Michael Faraday. let's go back to Vic Tandy's laboratory and when Vic moved his foil in the vise up and down the laboratory he noticed the foil would vibrate more in certain places and less in others near to his desk Vic noticed a significant amount of vibration and what he had done was move his foil into an area of infrasound standing wave remember the nearby air-conditioning fan was, in a sense, projecting the unvarying sound waves directly into the laboratory. So when Vic was sitting at his desk, he was sitting right in the middle of a standing wave node. A node is where waves add together and are, in a sense, stronger, and an anti-node is where the waves cancel out. Vic Tandy's foil would not vibrate much in antinode areas elsewhere in the laboratory, but where there was a node, for example at his desk, there would be significant infrasound wave activity and his foil would vibrate. We could say that the infrasound wave at Vic's desk was louder, but of course we humans can't hear infrasound frequencies. But that raises an interesting point, because although we cannot hear infrasound, the infrasound can have a profound effect on humans. Well, that's all very well. But what have nose, antinose and infrasound got to do with ghosts and odd, disturbing physical sensation? Well, the truth is, quite a lot. Let's start with a spooky grey shape. In other words, the ghost in the laboratory that Victandi and others saw. It turns out that the human eyeball will resonate at around 18.9 Hz. Think again about bottles oscillating when you blow over the lip of the bottle. We know that depending on the shape and size of the bottle, the bottle will resonate or vibrate at a certain frequency our eyes will resonate at around 18.9 Hz. 18.9 Hz is in the infrasound range, so we humans won't hear that sound. But our eyes will vibrate at that frequency because they're just the right size to do so. And when our eyes begin to resonate, then we will start to suffer optical disturbances and when we are dealing with infrasound, that disturbance can manifest itself as a grey blob or smeared grey shape in the periphery of our vision. A quick Google search will reveal grey lady sightings all over the world and the probability is these ghostly apparitions might well have been caused by infrasound. So resonating eyeballs might explain the ghostly visions But what about the uncomfortable feelings infrasound can cause in humans? Those sensations are less easy to quantify because we are all different in terms of shapes and size. Infrasound affects some people and not others, and it's not easy to know who will or won't be affected and to what extent. As part of an experiment carried out on a concert audience in London in 2003, infrasound was introduced into the music being played to the audience. Around 22% of the audience who were unaware of the infrasound content hidden within the music reported feeling uneasy. The infrasound didn't affect other people in the audience. Research has shown that naturally generated infrasound from thunderstorms and from the sea can make some people feel ill. Infrasound can travel a great distance. It is probably hard to believe, but Walt Disney cartoonists unknowingly introduced infrasound into one of their cartoons when they slowed down the cartoon's soundtrack and reduced an audio signal from 60 hertz to 12 hertz unwittingly and by introducing infrasound into their soundtrack the cartoonists made their audience feel ill and uncomfortable in many different ways there is now ample evidence to show that infrasound at the right level can cause sweating palpitations high blood pressure anxiety fear nausea and many other symptoms knowing this it is easy to understand why people link the presence of infrasound with ghostly apparitions. And so in conclusion, if you start to feel fearful, scared, anxious, or unsteady, or if you see mysterious grey ladies, you might like to check and see if you are suffering from infrasound.